episode 53 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. I am Brett Nolan of AppAd.net, and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of App Advice. In this episode, Trevor and I try to rescue a stolen pet by battling monsters, flicking ourselves around racetracks, and to escape the boys in blue. How you doing tonight, Trevor? Doing good. It's a fun episode with disc driving and Apple bringing home the bacon and just a whole bunch of fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a good week of games and a good week for Apple. And so we'll start right there with Apple Earnings Report for Q1 2018. And this is their big, huge holiday quarter because that's how their quarterly system is set up. They go September to September. And so September to December for Apple generated $88.3 billion in revenue and $20.1 billion in profit. And just to put those numbers in perspective, Q1 of 2017, the year ago quarter, Apple had $78.4 billion in revenue and $17.9 billion in profit. So that's $10 million more in revenue and about $3 billion more in profit. And that's a 12% increase for both figures. Right. And that's impressive, especially going into this call. There were all kinds of speculation because of all the rumors with the iPhone 10 not selling well. And then this, this week, the stock market's been taking a dive. So it was a little nerve wracking. You didn't know what was going to happen. And it's good to see that they came out doing well. They really did, because that $78.4 billion from Q1 2017 was a company record, and they beat that by $10 billion. So that's quite an achievement. And then when you break it down by specific sales numbers, Apple sold 77.3 million iPhones for this past quarter. The year ago quarter was 78.3 million. So they're down a million. But the average selling price of the iPhone has gone up by over $100. So they sold 1 million less iPhone, but each of those iPhones sold for over $100 more, which is how their revenue and profit went up so much. Right, yeah. If you increase the cost of your item, you can sell less of them and still come out good. Yep. And then the iPad actually went up by 100,000 from 13.1 to 13.2 million. And then the Mac dropped by 300,000 from 5.4 to 5.1. And then the other sector and the services sector both generated increases. So the services sector includes the App Store, and it's really just on fire. And the other sector includes the Apple Watch, Apple TV, and all those other pieces. And that also showed a gain. Yeah, yeah, I'm impressed that those areas showed gains, especially the iPad, where we didn't even get a new device. And it's still doing well, which is kind of surprising. But uh, I don't know. I guess people are still buying them. Yeah, I think for last year, they sold more iPads than other companies sold PCs because I think they got to 100 million iPads. Oh, wow. I don't think okay. any other company topped that in PC sales. Wow, that is impressive. But no matter how you slice it, the iPhone is really everything Apple right now. It generates 70% of Apple's earnings. It's just the iPhone. So that's the most important piece. And all those rumors about the iPhone X is important just because it's such a key component of Apple. But then when they say that their average selling price goes up, it makes sense because the phone starts at 999 for the iPhone X. And so it just trickles down through everything that they do. And Apple's guidance for... Q2 of 2018 is 60 to 62 billion and if they hit their guidance which they actually topped their own guidance for this quarter it's going to be another 
quarter of increased revenue and profit. Yeah, I'm not so sure that HomePod's going to help uh, push towards that, but uh, the other stuff should sell fairly well. And there's even rumors that there's going to be three different iPhone models this year. So I, there's all kinds of rumors swirling around right now. So I'm curious to see what they do with the iPhone going into this year because of the the slight slowdown in those really expensive phones. Like, do they go back to slightly cheaper? But then they obviously have to sell more of them. I don't know. It's it, this will be a curious year to see where they take the direction of the iPhone because, like, just as you said, it is such a key part of their revenue. Yeah, part of the rumors it's kind of pushing them towards trying to diversify, where they'll have that top tier and then they'll have a new low tier, which kind of makes sense. But I don't know if Apple has enough time in the upgrade cycle to create three different phones while still pushing the boundaries on the iPhone X and then going back to the 8 and 8 plus and kind of trying to use OLED down there and is the profit margin proper for doing that or do we go back to LED and that's a tough balancing act for three different phones yeah yeah this will be a, a, a interesting year in the way we'll see how what direction they finally decide to take with all this and I don't know I guess we'll have to follow that closely as it comes out and the company now has $285 billion in cash and marketable security. So even if their next iPhone, the iPhone XS or whatever they end up calling it, is a super flop, they can rest on their laurels for quite a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that's the Apple earnings for Q1 2018. And so now we're transitioning to apps this week. And we had the Super Bowl last week. You could watch it with the NBC Sports app. And now the Olympics are starting at the end of this week on the Thursday, the whatever date that is. The 6th. The it goes... Today's the 6th. Is it the 8th? Oh, today's the 6th. Yes, yeah. the 8th. So Thursday, February 8th, the Olympics, the Winter Olympics in Korea are going to start in South Korea. And you can watch every event with the NBC Sports app. And this year, due to the time difference, they're going to try to broadcast everything live on TV. But you can watch everything live regardless right on the NBC Sports app. Yeah, that's. I love when they, they allow you to do these kinds of things. I've had this downloaded since whenever it first, the NBC Sports and then as well as the other Olympic apps, just because of that time difference, you don't want to wait. You don't want to see all the spoilers on Twitter or all the other news cycles where they just release the results. You want to see it going on so that it's not all spoiled for you. Yeah, so that's a way to just get in and watch it on your own time and try to avoid those spoilers your best you can. And then there's the standalone Team USA app and the official Olympics app. So the official Olympics app really helps for your schedule and, you know, kind of seeing what you want to watch. And then the Team USA app, if you want to follow particular athletes, if you're from the U.S., Right, yeah. The thing I like about the Team USA app is where they give you all those background profiles of all the different athletes. So you can find out more information about these people and learn more about who maybe you want to try to follow, see their backstory and maybe how they got there. And it's a, it's a well-done app. Yeah, there's nothing like the competing team in curling or the entire <laughs> USA bobsled team or the guys who go down in skeleton or the new up-and-coming speed skating people. You can find out about all of that without having to wait for those special NBC 
you know, when they have that time to burn, they have those special insights of various athletes. Right, yeah, yeah. And so you have three different Olympics apps to get you fully geared for this Thursday, February 8th, and then the opening ceremonies are on the 9th, but you don't want to miss a few events early if you're in the full flow of the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, and this is like, this. I don't watch a lot of sports, but I always get hooked on the Olympics. I watch so much of this stuff, so it's good to have all these different resources for catching up and following all of it. And that means that it's time for new games, and... The big one this week is Bring You Home. It comes from the makers of Love You to Bits, who also worked on Tiny Thief. And so each one of these games has really stood out in the year that it's come out with this really polished art style combined with personality that just infused into everything. The little subtleties in the background, of course, the main characters. And with Bring You Home, they've built it on your pet has been kidnapped and you play as Polo, who's... This guy who has no idea what's about to happen, but the kidnappers go through a portal. And that extends for every single level going to a different scenario. So it might start where it's just, you know, simple down by the docks. Or maybe you go to medieval times. But then you transition so there's like these 2D abstract objects you have to go through or a pinball table. And there's all these different kind of variations in the levels. And the entire game is built upon just swiping panels. So the level is split into multiple sections. And you just swipe vertically to cycle through the different options. And, you know, sometimes you might need a sword to face a particular enemy. Or then maybe you need some, uh, the way the pelican is sitting to be able to block the rocks and have the bridge fall down so you have to balance all these different cycle throughs and then as you go through the levels you're also going to get to move those sequences horizontally so you get to swipe vertically and horizontally so it builds upon the puzzle mechanic and it expands upon the idea yeah so they've kind of taken the ideas they've done in their previous games where you have that puzzle mechanic of trying to have to use certain objects in a certain way but done it more of that framed style where you're just adjusting maybe the order or the which one of the frames is playing in order to get the puzzle solved and it, it's a neat way of like combining all this and making it a simple easy to jump into mechanic every one of these uh, like studio games i've sat down and played with my daughter on my side reached on our own devices and this one we sat down and we just burned through the entire game in almost one night we only carried it over to a second night because she had to go to bed it was getting late uh, but otherwise like we just got totally into this and just one every new level you they each have this their own unique style like they start to do parodies of other games like there's a one that kind of looks like a mario level and then they do different art styles as they go through and it's there's just so much cute characters and fun that they have and the amount of time they had to spend develop like animating all those different choices that you possibly have doing those combinations of whether it be a certain frame that you flipped into or just the ordering of it, they had to animate all that and have it flow perfectly that it made sense. And it just must have taken a ton of time, not only just to come up with the designs, but to do the actual work and, and making all of this content that's in there. Yeah, my favorite part of the game 
is that animation sequences that you will so when you go to a new level polo runs through it and he's going to fail at some point so you get to watch that whole animation of that failure and then you get to try a different combination and if he fails it's completely animated and part of the enjoyment of the game is that every single mistake includes its own kind of fun and charming setup that you get to watch. So it's not just the successes that are enjoyable, and it's very rare for a game to actually kind of put a smile on your face when you make a mistake. For one instance, there's this cave setting, and there's this big, huge spider, and you can choose, you know, like a, a torch, a sword, or like this jar, this clay jar. And then you get to try each one to try to deal with the spider. And each one is hilarious to watch the spider react to what you're trying to do. And then you realize that you can't even get through the spider no matter what you choose. But you want to explore and try each different combination just to see what happens. Because you never know what kind of surprises are in store with every mistake. And not just that single, you know, successful run. Oh, right. There, there were times where I knew... After you've done enough combinations of things, you'll know what the correct thing you're probably going to have to do is. But I, I went through and I purposely chose, still continue to choose wrong things just because I wanted to see what would happen because I, I was curious to see. And then there's some hidden little game center achievements you get for doing some of the combinations. And then there's in, in the levels, there's these little photos you can if you can get them to go and walk and touch the photo, you unlock, just like you could in Love You to Bits, you unlock these little photographs of like scenes of him with his pet. And they're just fun little photographs, but it's, it's just another thing for you to go through and try to do within the levels. And not every level has one, but when you see it there, you're like, oh, how can I get that? Because I don't want to miss out on on grabbing that, that photo. So then now that level has multiple things you're trying to complete just if especially if you're a completionist like me you want to go and grab that other photo as well yeah and to be honest already this is an early game of the year candidate for 2018 because it has like that splitter critters idea of the kind of forking pathways within set chunks of the level but then it's also that rearrangement of the panels kind of like Gorogoa. And then it has that personality and charm of Love You to Bits. So you take three really great games, you smash them together, and then it still creates its own unique kind of niche within the puzzle adventure idea, especially because it's kind of like Rick and Morty where you have that portal where you get to go to all these different dimensions, and that sets up such a wide variety of level creations. I really am just blown away by how much they've done to create this game because it's the kind of game where... It's not it's not the longest game you'll come across, but with that said, it still takes a while to play through the entire thing, and it leaves you wanting more just because it's so well done. You don't want the game to end, right? You you don't. There's even multiple endings, but you don't want the story to end because it's so much fun. And I felt this the exact same way when I played through Love You to Bits and Tiny Thief. I, it's just something about these developers and the way they just draw you in and make every level so much fun and you just want to play through it. That's that's the only problem because you want to play through them and you end up playing through it so fast that you burn through the entire game. But there is a lot of content there and you can tell a lot of work went into it. And I agree, like this is the type of game that you look at and I know it's super early in the year, but it's that game of the year type thing where it's got all these elements that just work so well together and it's just... 
a beautiful package they put together for this game. And they even have nods to the previous two Love You to Bits and Tiny Thief within this game. They, if you play through their other games, and you should definitely pick those up as well, you'll see like these little inside jokes or little characters or little scenes that you'll recognize from these other games that those bring smiles to your face as well. He's like, Oh yeah, I remember playing through that when I played love you to bits. And like my daughter was getting all excited when we saw things popping up and like, oh, I remember this. And so it was just a lot of fun to play through. Yeah. There's such an endearing quality to everything. And even once you do reach that end, I'm not going to spoil it, but it's kind of emotional when you get that forking pathway decision to make. <laughs> yes. I knew which way I was going to go, and then I did the other way too. But, yes, it, no, it is it's, – and I'll probably end up – I know for certain my daughter within, like, the next month or two will play through the entire thing all over again. She did it with Love You to Bitch. She played it probably, like, four or five times all the way through. And I'm sure we'll go back and we'll probably play through this again later in the year once we've kind of forgotten the exact solutions for the puzzles. But it's one of those games that you are just really going to enjoy. Yep, and so that's Bring You Home. It's two ninety nine. It's Universal. And up next is Disc, Disc Driving 2. And the original came out like 2011 or something. December <laughs> it might have... 2010. Oh, even earlier than that. So... <laughs> It's been a long time. A sequel has, I guess, been a long time in wait. And it maintains what was really good about the original with fast-paced, turn-based racing setup with super easy introduction as you simply swipe your disc to push it forward along these relatively creative tracks. And so the sequel makes the tracks more creative. It maintains the quick setup and the quick online turn-based gameplay. And then it gives you a second swipe so you can swipe once send your disc along the way and then you can swipe again so that swipe again can help you if you're going to fall off the side of the course to give you an extra propulsion or boost or redirect your disc to try to hit one of the special items on the course so you have that balance and then you also have the turbo boost that you can you uh build up as based on how far you go on the track and you want to time that up to again help you in that same regard but it's a limited amount and it only gives you so much boost so you have to also use the strategy and timing that up and so it all combines together to maintain what the original did so well and build upon it in really every way you kind of could and any kind of disappointment that was there from the original yeah, so the original, when this came out, I was absolutely addicted to it. I had probably a good five or six games going constantly all the time, and it was just you get in, you make your swipe, you get out, and you're just constantly having games going. And so when I heard they were doing the sequel and I saw what they did, I was blown away because – yeah, it keeps that exact core gameplay that I love from the original, but that second swipe, no pun intended, isn't a game changer. It <laughs> it makes it so that you have so much more strategy now because you decide, do you want to use it at right away to as soon as your disc starts slowing down to get that master boost and keep on going 
or if you do that, you may end up getting yourself in trouble going off an edge or hitting something you didn't want to hit. Or do you kind of save it and use it earlier maybe to redirect yourself so you can hit like maybe one of the boost pads or hit that thing that helps recharge either your bomb or your boost, wherever you're going to use your special weapon as. And so there's a lot of strategy there. Or you can just use it along the way to avoid something that's going to pop up in your way. But you you get to make those choices, and it just allows you a lot more than just going in and swiping and then hoping for the best because you feel like you have more control over things because you get to make that second move, and you're not just at the whim of wherever the disc's going to go after you've flicked it. And so that coupled with now the they have this new system of abilities, and you can you unlock these as you go. You earn coins as you're playing, and you can use those to purchase random cards. And those will unlock either power up your your boost to make it more powerful, or make your your oil slick bigger, or your bomb bigger. And so you you can upgrade your existing things, or it'll unlock these new abilities. And at the beginning of a race, you can choose one of these abilities to apply to yourself throughout the entire race so it could be anything from making your uh, giving you a 50% longer boost or give you uh, so that whenever you approach someone else's disc it repels them away from you so that way you never have to worry about someone being in your way in front of you as soon as you come up close they're going to go off to the side and then you get to go right by them so uh, there's a whole pile of these that you can slowly unlock as you get random cards but applying those gives you a whole nother level of strategy within the game to figure out oh wait i'm on this course maybe i want to use the one that allows me to go through lasers without having any problems because now i can take the shortcut and not have to worry about getting hit by a laser so there's strategy just within the these abilities and the courses or maybe your opponent you know how they play then you would use these various abilities in other ways to just completely change up the game too. So there's just so many different levels that they've gone through to just make it a much more strategic game rather than just the go flick and then hope for the best. So I love all the improvements that they made to this game, not even mentioning the graphical upgrade that they've given the game as well. That's all exactly right. Just that main emphasis of the more control, it really just it makes it instead of like a simple kind of racing game it makes it more into like a back and forth strategy game just set on a racetrack and that really sticks out especially because there's so many kind of turn-based strategy games available in the app store so you want to have kind of that unique niche and then just to build upon it like all those abilities that you're given that you mentioned and just the courses each one seems so uniquely designed where you can really have a completely different strategy set up and swipe mentality going into the different courses and you kind of get lost. You have to remember because you can set up multiple matches and you have to remember what course you're on and who you're playing against each time you go in. Otherwise, you might not have the best strategy for each shot. And part of the fun is having all those different races set up. So it seems like each time you open the app, you always have something to play. And then the sequel also has a new daily challenge mode where you can just kind of test your swiping abilities. It's a race against the clock to collect these five different flames. So you get familiar with the course and the swiping mechanics and the ability to do the dual swipe and time up your turbo and just get used to everything that the game has to offer. 
Yeah, with that single player, you don't have to. It, you're not taking turns, so it's a speed run. You're trying to beat a clock and collect those flames, so you're just constantly swiping. There is a little thing that kind of delays your second swipe, and you have to wait for that thing to to fully circle before you can swipe again. But you're just constantly swiping as quickly as you can to try to make it through and collect those those flames. But then they do have that um, the speed run option too, where you can go play any course and you're just trying to set the fastest possible time that you're making through those courses. And then there's leaderboards for every course. Some of these courses will look familiar if you played the original, but they've all kind of gotten a little uplift. There is some new uh, physics involved where they actually kind of take height into consideration where you're going up hills and downhills. There's new things like lasers, disappearing platforms, disappearing walls. So even if you're familiar with the original game, you're going to love all of these new additions. They kind of just make the courses, they step them up to 11 on every single course. And that's disc driving too. It's free. It's universal. And that means it's time for another racing game or at least a driving game and Paco 2, which the original was a top-down arcade kind of driving challenge where you have cops and you try to evade them for as long as possible and usually runs lasted anywhere between 10 or thir- ten to 30 seconds depending on how skilled you were. And so the sequel kind of takes a cue from Reckless Getaway in expanding the environment. So those courses, you could drive from end to end relatively quickly. This game, it's tough to even find where one end is and the other end is of these really expansive levels, and it has a much more concentrated approach. So now you play as the getaway driver. You begin by picking up some guys, robbing a specific location, and then there's an on-screen arrow to guide you to the next place. So the game alternates between picking guys up and then dropping them off and then getting a new pickup location and you go back and forth. It goes from red arrow to blue arrow, and you try to complete as many of these missions as possible as you traverse the map, and more and more cops come on the scene to try to damage you. The police helicopter comes in as well, and to help you, you, your car has auto fire, so the guys you pick up can fire back at the cops as long as you kind of position them at the right angle to hit those cops, and that can help greatly because you have a limited HP. The first car you get only has three HP, So that doesn't take much to end your game. You can unlock over 20 different vehicles and those increase the HP or they balance the speed in the HP. They have different weapons for your uh, co-pilots or your the guys you picked up. So you have to balance that out because every single run helps you earn cash and then you can unlock different locations as well as the different vehicles. There's five locations in total and each one has different terrain. So it starts out relatively easy. It's kind of like a desert area and then you'll go to more of a frozen area so there's ice that you'll skid on and then you go to more of a mountainscape so you have to drive over different hills or there might be a dam that completely stops your progression so you have to kind of become familiar with these maps to be able to handle going through all the different missions in that just arcade driving action yeah, this is another one where they really stepped it up for the sequel and so the original one 
I I don't remember a lot of it. I remember playing a ton of it, though. I remember really enjoying it. I do seem to recall, like, you only had insta-death. So if you hit something, you were dead. You were just kind of going around the track, trying to avoid the cops. But unfortunately, if you hit something, you died, and you had to start over, and you'd go around again. Where this one... Yeah, that three health is a little too low, really, for for most runs. And unfortunately, some of the cars you can still unlock. They they get faster and they get weapons, but they still have that low health. I really wish all of the future cars you built up past that had more health. But you there's always something to do in this one like i like the fact that you're given the goals of where you need to go and what you need to and all those locations and you're given that guidance because otherwise if it was just this massive map that you're just going around wherever you want it would get a little disorienting where at least they give you this guidance of let's go to this next location and you always kind of know where you have to go granted you don't have to go in a specific direction it's telling you where you need to go and it's telling you how much uh distance you have left to go but you could take any route that you want and you're gonna have to at times quickly change your route either there's going to be cops coming at you and maybe you're down to one or two health and you don't want to get shot so you're trying to get out of the way but you don't want to hit things because you'll lose health but then maybe you see all of a sudden you come through and you see this big cliff in front of you. You got to turn so you don't fall off that cliff and die. So now you got to swerve around and find a new path around because they don't give you a lot of distance in front of you to see. You only have this short little period of surrounding you where you can see what's behind you and what's in front of you and to the sides of you. So there's going to be times where things come up on you way too fast. And so you're going to have to change route or change direction. And so it's, a, it's, a, it, it gets a little repetitive, but because of those choices you get to make, it kind of slow, it lowers that a bit and it gives you choices rather than always having to make that same route, same pathway. And so I did like that aspect of it. Yeah, the points of interest that you have to drive to are always randomized locations. And then really, you want to unlock those new locations just to see what it has in store because you'll be driving along and then there's a dirt road and that's kind of pointed where you need to go. And then all of a sudden you'll come up against a dam or, you know, a cliff. And then you realize that the road is a mountain road that curves, you know, it has bends and stuff. So then you have to drive out of your way. But then as you do so... There's a money ticker at the top of the screen, and every second or a few seconds that you take to get to a location, that's going to lessen the money that you earn, and the entire object of the game is to earn money to unlock more stuff. So you have to balance that. You kind of want to get there as directly as possible. And so it's a really interesting balance. The most surprising aspect for me was how I could do so well on one particular map and then go play another map and do so terribly. I don't know... (laughs) what exactly it was by the specific maps but it's weird that the game could be that different across maps so what i found is as i played maps more often than i learned things because even though the graphic fidelity is way better on this one than the original there's still times where you don't realize that you're either about to go over that cliff or maybe you're 
you don't realize you're on a higher elevation and you're going to drive off and your car is going to blow up because it went down too far. And you start to learn the maps and figure out, oh, wait, I'm not allowed to go from here to there. Uh, otherwise, I'll die. So I did notice that the more I played a map, I got better at. If I had one complaint, it's they, they have this little turbo button, which works great for when you want to get away from the cops. And on my phone, it's perfectly positioned because it's smaller, my fingers are there, and I can quickly press it. It's in the lower center of the button. So you're pressing on uh, of the screen. So you're pressing on the left side of the screen to turn left uh, or to turn counterclockwise, right side to turn clockwise, and then you have this little turbo button you can periodically press that's in the lower center of the screen. Unfortunately, on the iPad, it is a reach to grab that turbo button i found it a pain to use i wish i could reposition that maybe like just put it above the right side or somewhere where i could quickly move my thumb to it to trigger it rather than have it have to take my whole hand off press it and then come back so that would be just one little thing that i could easily tweak i think it would really help when playing on an ipad yeah i forget to use the i the turbo just because like you said you have to change you shift your hands so you, you have to deliberately kind of be reckless for a half a second that it takes and then you have to readjust yourself and then the camera angle is purposefully designed to make the game challenging where it only shows so much of the upcoming thing but i guess that could be annoying for some it wasn't for me i like that where you oh my god i'm about to drive off a cliff kind of idea but still i could see where it could give other people problems but I think it plays into the theme because yeah. otherwise, if you're like trying to do a getaway, you're not going to know exactly where you what's coming ahead. I think they had to do it. They did it in the first one too. You yep. barely had a cone of vision, and I think it. Yeah, it can be frustrating at times, but I think it plays perfectly into the game, and I think it has to be that way. Any other way, and it's too easy. Yeah, and so that's Paco Two. It's kind of like Reckless Getaway Two. If you like that type of game, you'll be right at home. And it's $1.99, it's universal.
charge at the same time. So as long as you're constantly upgrading your deck and kind of culling out bad cards, then you can build a super strong deck with any of these characters. And it's just learning their different play styles and making a way through. The trick is because it's kind of like that solitaire where you don't, it's kind of randomized. You have these random events that'll come up. So you're not always going to have access to upgrading your cards. You're not always going to have access to the temple where they let you get rid of a card out of your deck to make it tighter. So you're going to have to kind of just play what you have and then save up all your money and then just make the right decisions when you do get a decision. So do I go to the treasure chest and take some random cards and maybe they're going to make my deck bigger, but they could be powerful cards. Or if I have a little bit of change, do I go to the shop and hope there's some good cards in the shop that I could purchase? Or if I have at least 10 coins, I know if I go to the blacksmith, I can upgrade at least one of my cards and make it stronger. And some of them, even just a single upgrade adds a ton of attack power or just much better abilities to the card. So you're kind of at the mercy of the randomness of those events, but if you play it when you get them, then you can do great things with your deck. The other option is as you're going through all these different monsters, you're going to be ending each the round with the monster. Say you defeat them. Well, your health's not going to replenish as soon as you kill the monster. So now you either have to hope that there's the rest option comes up where you, that not only replenishes all of your health, but it replenishes any magical spells back to their full number of charges. Otherwise, what you can do is you can skip an opponent and then you'll get back a little bit of your health. The only problem is every time you skip an opponent, you're getting closer and closer to that boss battle at the end. And you haven't you're not earning coins. You're not coming up with maybe the ability to upgrade a card or purchase new cards each time you do those skips. You kind of have to make the decisions of do I take a risk and go into this battle and hope that I can defeat him with what health I have? And maybe I'll get enough XP at the end of this battle in order to level up and which will then refill re, uh, my health meter. It won't do anything about my magic, but it'll refill my health meter. Or do I take a rest for a turn and regain a little bit of health to make it better chance that I'm going to be able to defeat the next monster, but in I'm not going to lose it. I'm going to lose out on XP. I'm going to lose out on possibly earning some coins. But you have all these decisions you have to make as you're progressing through and hopefully defeating one boss and then going to the next boss and just progressing through the entire game. And really, you want to XP, you know, you want to fight the monsters to earn XP so that way you can just upgrade, you know, your HP naturally because you're earning experience points with every monster you face. So when you skip those, that also can come in hand and like you i really like playing with the wizard because it takes that stamina constraint out of play and then also the blacksmith is always important to upgrade because you can do multiple upgrades as, at once as long as you have the coins to do it like if you build up 50 coins and then go to the blacksmith you can upgrade multiple cards and really improve your system and then also i don't know what it's called but the ability to remove cards that is really important to because when you're playing an opponent, you don't want cards that don't really help, that you often skip 
or you know how many meditate cards do you need or how many low attack cards where damage two do you need when you have these cards that damage six and ten so you kind of want to prune your deck as often as possible and but like you said it's just the luck of the draw the random assortment of events that come your way each time you play Right. Yeah. I found that temple doesn't come up that often. I wish it would come up a little more often to be able to eliminate cards because the less cards you have, the more often you're going to cycle through that deck and maybe your high power cards use a lot of stamina. But if you are able to play a card, skip a card to get some stamina back and play another card and they're all powerful cards, then you're going to be able to still do a lot of damage. When you level up, when you get enough XP to level up, you have a choice of upgrading your overall health power or you can upgrade your, your stamina amount. So the more stamina you put in, the more cards potentially, well, I guess technically you wouldn't be able to play more cards, but you could play more high powered cards before you'd have to then swipe left to recharge your stamina a little bit. There's a separate little thing that looks like an hourglass, and that's what controls the number of cards you get to play in a given turn. And there are some cards that will bump that back up. So maybe there's one that's like a little dagger, and you can attack with this little dagger. It does almost no damage, but it ref it doesn't use up one of your cards because it rebumps that card count back up after you played it. So you that way you can keep on playing additional cards. Yeah, they do a tiny bit of damage, but if you're able to level up that card at the blacksmith, you could really get some good damage out of it, and then it counts as a freebie because it won't count against the number of cards you can play. So there's all these different things you can do to try to extend your turn, whether it be within stamina or be in the number of cards that you can play, that you're going to have to make these decisions based on the cards that you have and maybe the pairings of cards. So you want to try to get a lot of cards that work in synergy with each other so that you can really have a strong deck because you're going to need it as you start to progress through and you go into maybe that second location and now everyone has much higher attacks, so you either need to have ways to heal yourself mid-battle, or you just have to have really powerful cards to take out your opponent as quickly as possible before they can do lots of damage to you. So it's all a balancing act, and there is a fair amount of luck in how either you're going to draw your cards from your deck, or those locations, the event things are going to come up to allow you to do the things you were hoping to do. But it's still, even when you lose and you have to start all over again, it's still just, it's fun to go back in. And there are things, so it kind of has this one little roguelike element where you can unlock new cards for each one of those hero types. They each have these three other cards you can unlock using diamonds. You earn these little diamonds as you play through an entire uh, battle and then you can use those diamonds to unlock these cards, and now they'll be in the rotation of possible cards that could come up for you to purchase, or maybe they'll be free in the treasure chest, but new cards will get introduced for those different hero types that allow you to do more interesting things, or maybe that it's a more powerful card that'll help you hopefully progress further and make it through more and more of these bosses and complete the, the challenge with one of the heroes. Yeah, those permanent upgrade cards, it also switches out a lower-powered card. And really, I just like these modern takes on Solitaire 
with different game elements. You know, there's Card Thief and Honor Rim and Miracle Merchant, and now Meteor Fall goes right into that cycle of games that are great to have on your phone to play while you're waiting in line or you have those few spare minutes in your day. Yeah, and I I have to mention the artwork in this because it is phenomenally good. I love the artwork. It's kind of like almost like this Adventure Time style of art, uh, and it looks beautiful. And it's it, just another thing that draws you right into the game. Just you want to see the different cards, see how they are, even the crazy monsters they come up with. It's just beautiful art within the game. Yep, and so that's Meteor Fall. It's two ninety nine. It's Universal. And I think that's everything for episode fifty three. Yep, that's all I got. Brett, thanks for joining me. Oh, it's a pleasure as always. And to everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.